Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023 and the end of week 66 of the Russia-Ukraine War. It's been 3,381 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 462 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine War. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, Russia launched another 31 Shahed-136 kamikaze drones on the night of May 29th with up to 40 KH-101, KH-555 cruise missiles and 11 Iskander-M missiles using over 165 standoff weapons in 48 hours, mostly targeting Kyiv. In our assessment, the Kremlin appears to believe the information in the leaked Pentagon documents that Ukraine would be critically low on air defense resources by June. Second, we assess that the intensity of these attacks is unsustainable, consuming over two months of Shahed-136 drone production and up to three months of missile production just during May. Third, these attacks continue to have little success due to the targeting of civilians and civilian infrastructure, the poor intelligence-gathering abilities of the Russian Federation Armed Forces, and their inability to overwhelm ever-improving Ukrainian air defenses. Fourth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Fifth, current weather models indicate that soil conditions will become favorable for large-scale military operations by June 5th. Sixth, we've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Seventh, while Russian forces are continuing limited localized attacks in the Dvorichna and Marinka operational areas, the decreasing number of attacks and increased use of artillery indicates that Russian forces are in a defensive posture 
and waiting for Ukraine to launch its offensive. Eighth, the British Ministry of Defense, Defense Intelligence Directorate, agreed with our earlier assessment that the Russian Federation armed forces have, quote, increasingly ceded the battlefield initiative to Ukraine. Ninth, anger and frustration among Russian state media, propagandists, mill bloggers, and residents of the oblasts that border Ukraine expanded due to the Kremlin's weak response to a drone attack on Moscow and continued inability to respond to border incursions in the Bilgorod, Bryansk, and Kursk regions. Tenth, despite being declared the commander of all Russian forces in Ukraine, Chief of Staff for the Russian Federation Armed Forces, Valery Gerasimov, has been nearly invisible while outlasting all previous Russian generals given the responsibility of capturing the Donbass. Eleventh, assigning a person deep within Putin's inner circle, such as Gerasimov, to oversee Russian military operations in Ukraine makes it near impossible for President Putin to dismiss him, despite continued failures to achieve critical military objectives. Twelfth, we assess that Russian Chief of Staff Gerasimov and Defense Minister Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. And finally, we assess the less-than-acceptable performance of Russian air defenses in Moscow puts unpopular General of the Army Sergei Serovykin at risk of dismissal. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, fighting continued on the southern edge of Masyutivka, with multiple reports that there was no change in the situation. Russian mercenary mill blogger Rybar claimed that Russian forces had established a wet crossing and bridgehead on the west bank of the Oskil River, which was unsupported by any other sources, including the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, and propagandists with Ridovka. The Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian surveillance, reconnaissance, and sabotage, or DRG units, were operating in the area of Simkivka. In the Svatova operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to advance in the direction of Krochmalne and were unsuccessful. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Ukrainian officials reported that Russian forces executed 111 fire missions from Dvorichna to Bilohorivka, firing over 400 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs. Six companies of Russian Minister of Defense Shoigu's private military company, or PMC, Storm Z, were reportedly moved to the forward line of friendly troops, or FLOT. In the Svatova operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces made multiple attacks on Novoselivsky, which were unsuccessful, and tried to advance in the direction of Stelmakivka, supported by Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, but were repulsed. In the Kremina operational area, Luhansk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Artem Lusehor reported that Russian forces were attacking in the direction of Nevsky, but failed to advance. Governor Lusohor also reported that Russian forces attempted to advance out of Kuzmine and were repulsed by Ukrainian forces. In occupied Luhansk, 
the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, claimed that a, quote, construction camp next to a poultry farm was hit by four rockets fired by HIMARS, killing five and wounding 19 in the settlement of Karpaty. In occupied Luhansk, the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, Joint Center for Control and Coordination, or JCCC, claimed that a, quote, construction camp next to a poultry farm in Karpaty was hit by four rockets fired by HIMARS, killing five and wounding 19. We cannot independently verify the claim. In northeast Donetsk, in the Solidar operational area, Russian mercenary mill blogger Warganzo reported that Russian forces attempted a counterattack north of Orihovo-Vasilivka and were unsuccessful. Both combatants reported there was no fighting in Bakhmut as PMC Wagner continued its withdrawal and Russian reserve units took over defensive positions. We maintain that Ukrainian forces hold approximately 1.5 square kilometers of Bakhmut, that's a little over half a square mile, roughly 2.8% of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, Organzo reported that Russian forces attempted to retake lost positions south of Ivanivska and were repulsed. Ukrainian source Deep State reported continued fighting near Klishivka and along the Siversky Donetsk Donbass Canal. Organzo claimed that Ukrainian forces were advancing toward Andreevka, attempting to flank Russian troops in Klishivka from the south, but didn't clarify if they were east of the canal. In southwest Donetsk, there was severe weather in the Donetsk region, including accumulating hail and torrential rain, which caused urban street and stream flooding, as well as accidents due to hail-covered roadways. Storms have knocked out power to thousands of homes. The unfavorable weather and poor soil tractability likely reduced operational tempo. In the Avdiivka operational area, multiple sources reported that Russian forces made marginal gains south of Kamyanka in the direction of Avdiivka, but we had already assessed that region was under Russian control, so we made no changes to the war map. Russian forces continued attempts to advance through the no-man's land between Vodiana and Sieverne, unable to advance or hold the tree line approximately one kilometer north of Vodiana. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it. The GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to advance on Pobida without success. Colonel General and aspiring dentist Ramzan Don Don Kadyrov claimed that Chechen units received a new order to redeploy forces into the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, including the Marinka operational area, and that he has been tasked to take, quote, a number of settlements. In the Wuhledar operational area, the GSAFU reported that Russian forces attempted to advance toward Novomikhailivka and maintained their incredible nine-year military tradition of suffering heavy losses and retreating to previously held defensive positions. The Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Volodymyrivka. Organzo and Ridovka claimed that Ukrainian forces went on the offensive south of Ukhidar and pushed Russian forces out of the Mikilske Dachas and to the south bank of the Kashlahach River. In our assessment, Russian forces didn't have much presence in this area 
and we couldn't find the original source of the claim. We do believe the reports have weight because Wargonzo is semi-reliable on territorial control claims, and it is highly unusual for Ridovka to deviate from Kremlin talking points. Additionally, Ukrainian forces have established fire control on the Russian ground line of communication, called a GLOC, that is a supply line, approaching Mikilska from Kirilivka. We did not update the map due to a lack of visual confirmation. In the Velika Novosilka operational area, Wargonzo claimed that Russian forces had gone on the offensive south of Velika Novosilka with no change to the situation. In occupied Donetsk, insurgents in Mariupol reported that Russian military equipment damaged by storm shadow missile strikes over the weekend was being moved from Berdyansk to Russian repair depots and replaced by reserve equipment, such as T-62 tanks. They also recorded the movement of at least 10 fuel tankers, possibly due to the destruction of fuel reserves. Insurgents also reported that the loading operation of grain ships at the main port in Mariupol ended, and the helicopter base in the same location was closed, with all military assets removed. A quick errors and omissions here. Yesterday, we reported that Storm Shadow cruise missiles attacked the settlement of Yurivka in Zaporizhia. However, Yurivka is on the Zaporizhia-Donetsk administrative border in Donetsk. We thank you for your understanding as we cut through the fog of war. Satellite and terrestrial imagery showed the damage to the resort used by Russian forces in Yurivka, indicating the Russian barracks suffered heavy damage due to the May 28th cruise missile strikes. Ukrainian sources claim up to 100 Russian soldiers were killed, which we cannot independently verify. Mariupol residents reported a cash liquidity crisis, with occupation officials forced to ship additional humanitarian aid because insufficient money was circulating to support commerce. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 67 fire missions and two airstrikes on 17 settlements along the line of conflict, as always, targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure. Severe thunderstorms and torrential rain downed trees and power lines and caused urban street and stream flooding. In May, Zaporizhia received the equivalent of two months' worth of rain. In occupied Zaporizhia, exiled Melitopol mayor Ivan Fedorov reported that the Avtokolorlit factory, used by Russian forces as a military base, experienced several large explosions. There was no other information at the time of recording. International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, Director General Rafael Grossi announced that after working intensively with the leadership of Ukraine and Russia, an agreement had been reached to improve safety at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP. Addressing the United Nations Security Council, Grossi said, quote, I have identified the following concrete principles to help ensure nuclear safety and security at ZNPP in order to prevent a nuclear accident and ensure the integrity of the plant. I see these commitments as essential to avoid the danger of a catastrophic incident. There should be no attack of any kind from or against the plant 
in particular targeting the reactor's spent fuel storage, other critical infrastructure, or personnel. ZNPP should not be used as storage or a base for heavy weapons, i.e. multiple rocket launchers, artillery systems and munitions, and tanks, or military personnel that could be used for an attack from the plant. Off-site power to the plant should not be put at risk. To that effect, all efforts should be made to ensure that off-site power remains available and secure at all times. All structures, systems, and components essential to the safe and secure operation of ZNPP should be protected from attacks or acts of sabotage. No action should be taken that undermines these principles. End quote. Grossi added that the IAEA experts on site, namely the IAEA Support and Assistance Mission to Zaporizhia, or ISAMZ, will report to him on the compliance of these principles and publicly report any violations. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Ukrainian Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that nine vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol, including one frigate and two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles in total. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 49 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 219 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, with the city of Kherson targeted twice and hit by five munitions. In north and northeast Ukraine, the metro Kyiv region experienced its third missile and drone attack in 24 hours and the 17th air raid since May 1st. Russia launched 31 Shahed-136 kamikaze drones from the north and south, with 29 intercepted. In the Holosievsky district, debris fell on a high-rise building, causing a fire on the top two floors and killing a 33-year-old woman who went out on her balcony to watch Ukrainian air defenses. More than 20 people were evacuated from the building, and search and rescue operations were ongoing. Cars and homes were damaged in the Pechers, Darnitsky, and Dnipropetrovsk districts. Kyiv officials reported 17 homes were damaged and another 13 people injured. Ukrainian air defenses were an impressive 94% effective after resisting a barrage of over 150 missiles and drones aimed at Kyiv in the last five days. Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or GUR, spokesperson Andriy Yusov, said that the frequency of attacks on Kyiv would decrease and the primary goal of the attacks was for propaganda purposes. On the Russian front in the Bilgorod region, Russian officials reported Shevikino was heavily shelled, forcing evacuations and wounding four people. Bilgorod regional governor Vyacheslav Gladkov said, quote, Grad rockets smashed windows, cut facades and roofs in eight apartment buildings, four houses, as well as a school and two administrative buildings. One store burned down completely and 12 cars have various damage, end quote. Adding that, quote, starting today, we are taking children out of the Shibikino and Krayvoron districts, end quote. In Krasnodar Krai, the oil refinery in Afipsky was struck by a Ukrainian kamikaze drone, causing a fire at the plant which burned for 40 minutes and was detected by NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS. 
The southern districts of Moscow were attacked with 25 to 32 kamikaze drones, according to Russian state media source RosZMI, with the Kremlin initially reporting 13 drones and the Russian MOD reporting that eight drones were destroyed, five by air defense and three by electronic warfare. RosZMI released an infographic documenting the 25 to 32 drones, including the three areas hit in the Rublyovka district. Russian state media agency Baza claimed there were 25 drones with 13 shot down, three strikes, and the rest getting tangled in trees and power lines due to their low flight path. One of the drones shot down crashed in a field in the village of Ilinskui, three kilometers from Russian President Vladimir Putin's private residence in Novo Agaryovo. A video shared by Russian FSB-controlled state media agency MASH showed the moment a drone struck a high-rise building in Moscow and exploded, despite widespread denials by the Russian government. Russian sources claim that the drones carried shaped charges produced in the Soviet Union 36 years ago. The KZ-6 charge has a mixture of TNT and RDX and was used to penetrate protective armor, but it lacks the amount of explosive force found in Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drones that Moscow uses. After the attack, GPS signals were blocked across wide areas of Moscow, crippling taxis, delivery services, car-sharing services, and rental scooters and bikes. GPS jamming was also active along the borders of Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia, and wide swaths of Western Russia. First Deputy Chairman of the State Duma Committee on Defense, Andriy Krasov, commented on the morning attack by Ukrainian drones to Moscow, quote, This is a terrorist act committed by the Kyiv regime. Their task is to cause panic, fear, and sow division in our society. It is necessary to remain calm and provide assistance to the authorities and special services. End quote. Adding that no one should panic. Russian President Putin made a statement in response to the drone attack against Moscow after deciding that border attacks in Belgorod and Bryansk were not important enough for a statement or a meeting of the Russian Security Council. Putin claimed the Moscow air defense system has successfully dealt with the UAV attack, although, quote, there are aspects that need to be worked on, end quote. He called the attack an attempt to, quote, intimidate Russian citizens and a terrorist attack, and said that Ukraine is part of a hostile NATO structure which operates, quote, contrary to Russia's interests. He falsely claimed that a Russian missile struck the GUR headquarters in Kyiv in a recent missile attack, and that the Russian Federation strikes on the territory of Ukraine only involve, quote, high-precision weapons which are directed exclusively against military facilities, end quote. Then, exhausted from all the lies and audacity, he returned to his bunker. Colonel General Kadyrov said Russia should respond to today's drone attack by imposing martial law. Also, he repeated an empty promise, saying, quote, I'll get ahead of myself a little, but I won't reveal the details. Soon we'll show in the Special Military Operations Zone what revenge is in the full sense of the word. End quote. Is it more fake combat videos for TikTok? Please tell me it's more fake combat videos for TikTok. I really hope it's fake combat videos for TikTok. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin had a conniption screaming into a microphone, quote, Stinking creatures, what are you doing? You are cattle. Get your shit out of the offices in which you were put to defend this country. You are the Ministry of Defense. You have not done a damn thing to attack. 
What the f*** are you? Do you allow these drones to fly to Moscow? The fact that they fly to Rublyovka, to your home. To hell with it. Let your houses burn. And what do ordinary people do when drones with explosives crash into their windows? I am deeply indignant that these scum sit quietly and sit on their fat asses smeared with expensive creams. Therefore, I believe that the people have every right to ask them these questions, these bastards. I have already warned about this many times, but no one wants to listen, because I'm angry and I upset the bureaucrats, who have a great life. End quote. A somewhat calmer Prigozhin, ironically sitting on a blue mat placed on a yellow gym floor, called for general mobilization, saying, quote, If we continue to fight, it is necessary to announce a general mobilization and attract people, at least for training, so that when the thunder rolls, you can fight and not be baptized. End quote. Retired Russian Colonel Viktor Alksnis, now a mail blogger, wrote, quote, And what about the attacks on the Bilgorod region, according to Bryansk, by Kursk? What about the shelling of Donetsk and other settlements of Donbass? Why is the Supreme Commander silent on this matter? The air defense system of the Russian capital worked satisfactorily during the raid by Ukrainian drones, Russian President Vladimir Putin said. Moscow's air defense system worked normally, satisfactorily, the head of state said, TASS reports. At the same time, the system still has something to work on, he noted. It seems that the bravado reports from the Russian Ministry of Defense that all eight Ukrainian drones were shot down, which means that the air defense of the capital worked perfectly, do not correspond to reality. End quote. The response from Kyiv's allies was mixed, with British Foreign Minister James Cleverly saying Ukrainians have the legal right to, quote, use force outside their borders to undermine Russia's ability to send forces into Ukraine itself. End quote. A White House spokesperson said as part of a statement to Reuters Thompson, quote, We saw the news and are still gathering information about what happened. As a general matter, we do not support attacks inside of Russia. End quote. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Fun fact, it has been exactly zero days since a Russian government official threatened nuclear war. A deputy of the state Duma, Nilov Yevgenievich, read off a list of nuclear threats against Ukraine, referring to the nation's leaders as the, quote, Führers of the Ukrorai. It took less than a month for the Kremlin to claim they've destroyed more Patriot air defense systems than Ukraine possesses, with Russian Minister of Defense Shoigu declaring the third system was destroyed by a missile. On Monday, the Ghost Patriot system left the remains of spent Pac-3 interceptors across Kyiv, fighting from beyond the grave, I guess. While we're on the subject, as Russian propagandists continue to baselessly insist that Valery Zaluzhny is dead, the Ministry of Internal Affairs of Russia put the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of Ukraine on its wanted list. The British Ministry of Defense Defense Intelligence Directorate assessed that since the start of May 2023, quote, Russia has increasingly ceded the initiative in the conflict and is reacting to Ukrainian action rather than actively progressing toward its own war aims. On the ground, it has redeployed security forces to react to partisan attacks inside Western Russia. Operationally, Russian commanders are likely attempting to generate reserve forces and position them where they believe a Ukrainian counterattack will occur. 
However, this has probably been undermined by uncommitted forces instead being sent to fill gaps in the front line around Bakhmut. End quote. On Monday, United States President Joe Biden told reporters that the issue of supplying Ukraine with long-range attackums missiles is, quote, still in the game, end quote. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.